Well, hello again, and uh, glad you're here. I don't know if you have done this, but if you want to, you can download the app from the App Store, 121-O-N-E, number two to O-N-E. You can follow along with what we're doing here. Also, in your Northwood app, you can look up all of the service notes, and uh, you know you can take it home and study diligently uh, the notes that we're preaching on. Amen? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, but for those who want it, it's there. And... Uh, we, we're excited about that. We've been talking about discipleship, and that's really what this is about. Discipleship means that you're a student of Jesus. It's not you're a churchgoer, and that's good, or a Bible reader, necessarily, that's good too, but you're a student of Christ. You are learning how to live like Jesus as you become more and more like him through different areas. And so uh, we've talked about several things about salvation. We talked about uh, Baptisms last week, just a tremendous uh, outlay of three different baptisms. Today, I want to talk about devotion, and I want to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The church has been born. Jesus is up in heaven. The Holy Spirit has come. 3,000 people got saved in one day, and then the church took off. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible reads this. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in, in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So it was believers. <clears throat> the church is made up of believers. The church is open to help anybody and everyone, but the church is made up of believers. People who have been called out of this world system, who have been born again by the Spirit of God, and who are now living in this community, we'll talk more about Christian community later, uh, the word church is a word, a Greek word, and you know what it means? It means the called out ones. So people who give their heart to Jesus, who dedicate, who devote themselves to Christ are called out of this world, called into a, an entirely different way of life, completely different in principle, in ability, in knowledge, in giftings, in, in sources, in, in, in the way that we do daily life. And if you want that, you have to join the church of Jesus Christ to get it, and you must be born into that church, into that family, and called out. I hope you all are willing and ready to be called out and be different, you know, and be strange sometimes, but that's what it means to be a devoted follower of Christ. The word devote simply means to be earnest towards a person or a thing. It, it means to persevere, to be constantly diligent, now watch this, to adhere to something very, very closely, to be completely devoted to something. And when I thought about this message, I thought about, I want to use a modern day person, somebody that we, you know, in, at least, you know, in this century, come on now, that was devoted. And, you know, how would that look? And the first person I thought about was Mother Teresa. It just came to my mind. And so I did a little study on her. I realized, you know, she is definitely the example of devotion. Because in 1946, in, in September, she was already a nun, you know, and I don't know what you think about nuns, but she was a nun. And uh, she went on her yearly retreat. She would go once a year. And on that retreat, she says, I received the call within the call. And the call that she received was that she was to leave the convent and that, that way of life. And she was to help the poor by serving them and living among them. And uh, she said this, she said, it was an order, and if I was to fail at it, I would break the faith. 
So she got a real call and she was serious about it. And she began her missionary work there in Calcutta in 1948. She started uh, a school there in Calcutta. And uh, then she wrote in her diary, and this is just an excerpt from her diary. She said, uh, the first year was fraught with difficulties. She had no income and had to resort to begging for food and supplies. Teresa experienced doubt, loneliness, and the temptation to return to the comfort of convert life uh, during the early months. And usually that's when things get rough. When you first answer the call to anything, usually the first time in it is more strenuous and tougher. You know that. She wrote again in her diary, our Lord wants me to be a free nun covered with the poverty of the cross. Today I learned a good lesson. The poverty of the poor must be so hard for them. While looking for a home, I walked and walked till my arms and my legs ached. I thought how much they must ache in body and soul looking for a home, food and health. Then the comfort of her former comfortable convent life came to tempt her. You have only to say the word and all that will be yours again. You can imagine that. The tempter kept saying it over and over. A free choice, my God, and out of love for you, I desire to remain and do whatever be your holy will in my regard. I did not let a single tear come. That sounds like Jesus to me. It sounds like what Jesus did when he faced the tempter in the wilderness and said, I'm going to do what God says to do, what God's word says to do. And then in the garden where his will was broken and he said, Father, it's not my will, but your will that needs to be done. So this is a great example. You know, in 1952, she started the first home for dying. I mean, she invented hospice in India. In 1955, she opened a children's home that uh, served just thousands of orphans and homeless youth that were abused and neglected. She established 119 leprosy centers that served over 150,000 leopards. She won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. And when they wanted to give her the accustomed banquet all the winners received, she turned it down. And when they, when they gave her the prize money or wanted to give her the prize money of $192,000, she says, I don't want it. Give it to the poor and sick of India. So I don't know about you, but that sounds like a devoted life to a call. And, and I didn't say that to make you feel bad about yourself, like, mm, I'm nothing, I'm just scum, you know. I just wanted to put forth a picture of what real devotion looks like. I mean, you know, God's not going to call most of you to go to India and work with the poor. He might do that, but more than likely he won't. But she was completely dedicated. You can imagine how hard it got. As a matter of fact, sometimes when we write in a ledger or a journal about hardships, it's just sometimes very difficult to put it in words because you can't feel what she felt. She's an example of devotion. And we've got areas of our life that deal with devotion. I mean, we are people with lives that have different areas, different compartments, and sometimes we decompartmentalize things, and sometimes we, we, we get it all mixed up. But you know, there are major areas of your life that we need to look at devotion. One is marriage. You know, God created at the beginning, and if you ever want to know what God thinks about something, find the first place he did something, and that gives the principle to live by for all of eternity. In the beginning, God created male and female. And then he told them, he said, I want you to come together and I want you to be fruitful and multiply. So our marriage, marriage between a man and a woman is God's 
principle. And we're to be devoted to that. We're to be completely devoted to our marriage. It's very important. It's a picture of Christ in his church. And so we got to put forth effort and we've got to be completely devoted in the good and the bad and later on in the ugly. But we got to stay devoted if you understand what I'm talking about. And then out of that union is, is the product, children. Children come from a man and a woman coming together in holy matrimony, in covenant, not contract, in covenant. And from that covenant and that love, procreation takes place and children are born and children are great. Children are wonderful. Sometimes it's mine, sometimes it's yours, sometimes it's ours, and we've got all kind of families in the church with all kind of children, and a lot of things are taking place, and, and so we, we, we work through all those issues together, but children are precious, and we're to be devoted to children. We're to be devoted for a long time. You know, you parents who are raising children in Christ, don't give up, don't get weary Keep pressing in and loving the Lord and teaching your children about Jesus. I, I, just, I just love Carrie. Just, that's my daughter was singing that song just a while ago. And that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. We used to sing that 35, 36 years ago. I have decided to follow. And we just would sing it around the house all the time. And we even changed it because Carrie hated to go to s sleep every night. I mean, she hated to go to sleep. And so we just changed the words. We said, it's time for Carrie to go to bed. That's the old rendition of that song for you old timers. You know what I'm talking about. It's time for Carrie to go to bed. And the whole time she'd just be screaming, I don't want to go to bed. You know? <laughs> but we raised our kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and we have to be devoted to that. No matter which way they start going. And every kid, every kid, every kid goes through a transition period where they have to decide whether or not they're going to follow Jesus. Now, they might decide when they're six, but around 14, 15, up in there, they have to really decide to follow Jesus. They start making choices on their own, and we need to be, be completely devoted. We need to be devoted in our singleness. You who are single in this room, hey, guess what? It's okay to be single. It's okay to be 35 and single. It's all right. God's not against you. Society, who cares? Look, it's all right to be single. You should enjoy being single. One day you'll be married, and that's fine, you know, but man, don't trash all of your single life in anticipation for marriage. Marriage is good. It's great. It's wonderful. I've been married a very, very long time. It's wonderful, but you know, don't trash this present time looking to the future. Paul said it this way. He said, you're in good shape if you're single because you can give everything you have to the Lord, all your time, all your energy. You don't have to talk about, well, honey, you think we ought to? Just go do it. Go do it for Jesus. It'll be wonderful. You students who are in school, we got some impact students in here. Listen, school, you should be devoted to school, completely devoted. You should be a front row student. You should be leaning in to what the teacher is saying, taking copious notes, asking relevant questions. Am I talking about any student in this room? Is there one? If you're here like that, raise your hand. Just give me one. Come on, the pastor needs at least one. Thank you. You saved my life. 
instead of a back row doodler doodling playing with the aquarium in the science class that was me I passed high school biology because my girlfriend now my wife who was brilliant in school made me come to her house every night just about and study biology I came I wasn't studying biology though But I did pass. I'm not proud of it. If you pass with a D when you could have made an A, there's nothing to be proud of. We have to be diligent. We have to be devoted to our employment. Hey, how about this? How about an honest day's work for an honest day's pay? How about a complete day's work? How about totally devoted to your job? How about get off of the Facebook and put that phone in your car and quit checking your emails 47 times a day like you're the president of the United States and work hard all day and get to work on time? I remember years ago, a young man came into the church, came into Christ, and he made this statement. He said, man, I am so excited. And he said, well, what are you excited about? He said, man, my job. They said, what, what's that? He said, I only missed two days this month. I only missed two days. I mean, I just called in sick two days. I mean, I just lied and said I was sick when I really wasn't. Just two days. He was excited about that. And that's how people get. We need to be devoted to our employer. They paid me for a day's pay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a day's work. How about that? I know it's elementary. I know all of you are like that. You don't do that. Finances. We need to, we need to be devoted in the area of finances. We, we need to be good stewards of what God is giving us, and we need to use biblical principles in how we handle our money. I don't know if you know this or not, kingdom people, but your money's not yours. As a matter of fact, you don't have anything that's yours. Everything belongs to the Lord. Quit quibbling about 10%. He owns 100%. He owns everything you have because everything you have has been given to you. And we say, well, I work for it. Yeah, who gave you the job? Well, I, I trained for it. Who gave you the brain to train? You see, who, who helped? Who did it? God has given you the ability to make money. But he holds you accountable on how you manage that money. And that's a biblical principle, whether we like it or not. And then there's the church. You know, the good old church. The good old local church. The good old faithful local church. The pastors, the good old faithful local church. And every time I come, there's a song that's sung. And there's, and look, the, the screens, they're just what the, the lights and the, it's so clean. The, the good old local. Hey, can we just be devoted to the local church? And instead of being a consumer of the gospel product, we become a contributor to the vision of God in the local church. Can we do that? Do you think that's possible? Hey, folks, let me tell you something. The church does not exist only to feed your spirit. Did you know that? It's, that this whole thing that Jesus died for is not just to serve you. As a matter of fact, Jesus flips it on us and says, you serve. Because I served you. I came in to seek, save, and serve. That's what was lost. Now, let me just, now that you've got it, give it. Freely you have received it. Freely you want to give it. 
These are just areas that we need to be completely devoted in. Let me tell you something. If you want your children to love God, because I never, I never separate the church body from the head, Christ. If you want your children to love God, you need to love him. And I'm don't, I mean not religious love. I'm talking about you got to love him. They got to see that it's evident in your life that you're serving the king. And you got to love the local church. One question that has never been asked. Now, all my kids are grown and gone. Oh, well, almost. Jordan and Nadine are building a house. Three more weeks, they'll be out. You know, sometimes they go away and sometimes they come back. But anyway, they're all grown and about gone. And in all the years that I raised my kids, my wife and I, we went to church a lot. We used to go to church a lot, like, you know, four or five times a week. I mean, we went to church a lot. Not one time, this question has never been asked in our home, not one time. Never from my kids. They never asked me, Dad, are we going to church today? Are we going to church tonight? Are we going to church? When we were getting ready, it never was, a, not one time. Because you know what? They saw we love the church. We were devoted to the church. And I believe the church is the hope of the world because the church is the body of Christ. Come on now. But there's a sadness that comes when we start looking at devotion. And that's what I like to just call today diluted devotion. A dilution of devotion. And I believe it's real. I believe it's a question we need to ask ourselves. Is my devotion diluted? Is it? And the, the reason why some people's devotion is diluted is simply because of self-centeredness. We call it selfishness, but yet God calls it idolatry. Now, you know that we're not to have any God before our God. We know that. We, that's one of the commandments. We understand that. And, and, you know, I don't think there's too many of you in this room, I don't think so, that, you know, bowing down to little, little idols and burning, you know, incense to them. I, if you are doing that, I would just suggest that you stop it today. You know, that you probably just pack it up, you know, and just don't do that. There's no power in that. But, but you know, we don't, we don't serve many of those, but, but we do serve and if we're not careful, and if we don't keep self in its place, we will serve self like it is a God, and it will become a fashion of idolatry. Now, don't take that wrong, but take it. In Romans, we read in the chapter one of Romans that God just turned people on to whatever they wanted to do. And he says the reason he did this is because people wanted to serve the creation more than the creator. And so they served images and things. And the Bible says because of that, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And then because they had a reprobate mind, they did things that were abominations to God. So the, the problem was not the abomination, although that is a problem. And you can read it in Romans chapter one. The problem was they were in idolatry. Because idolatry always leads you away from God. And so if self is on the throne, self is an idol. And if everything has to be about me and me and mine and mine and give me mine and I got to have it, feed me, Pastor, feed me, Pastor, give me the, do this, Pastor. They didn't do this to me. What about me? What, about, what are you trying to say to me? If it's always about me, then we need to check our, our idolatry uh, little uh, measurement stick and see where we are. You know, it, it's, just, it's just that way. But also there's this thing of busyness, overcommitted to activities. What is going on in America? 
what is happening? Why do we feel like we have to be so busy? Is it because of self-worth? Do we have to feel like we... You know, uh, I led a guy uh, to the Lord in my office the other day, just a wonderful time, great guy, you know, and, and you know, he had kind of known religion a lot, and, and, and uh, he, you know, he was talking, and, and, and people do this all the time, by the way. Uh, pastor, reverend, preacher, I know you're so busy. I say, no, no, what you got? I don't want to bother you. Well, no, no, what you got? That's fine. I'm here for you. What you want? Oh, I know preachers are so busy. I know pastors. Where did that come from? Let me tell you where that came from. You ready where this came from? This came from insecure men of God who felt like they had to prove their worth by being over busy and they produced no real fruit. They work hard instead of smart. They have no teams working with them to accomplish the will of God in a certain area. And they wear themselves out, but it's all due to pride and saying, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Man, I'm busy in a one-armed paper hanger in a, in a hailstorm. You know, I'm so busy. I'm so, look, I'm not so busy that I can't do what God has called me to do. When you get so busy that you can't raise your kids, you're too busy. When you get so busy that you can't praise your God, you're too busy. When you're so busy that you don't know which way is up or down, you're, you're too busy. And when you're too busy, you teach your kids to be too busy. Why are we so busy? It's just amazing. It's, it's just really amazing why we're so busy. Watch this. There are many people today obsessed with busy schedules, and they're addicted to it. And we teach our kids. I remember I used to coach baseball when our kids were little. I was coaching and had this one little guy on the team and his, his dad had him in all kinds of things. And one thing he had him in was karate. And he had on the little white uniform, you know, a little white karate. You know. And, and he, he was always running back and forth. So one day, you know, I got him on a schedule. Where I, I'm looking for him. Where you at? Where you at? And all of a sudden, he runs on the field straight. We played a baseball game and he's in his karate outfit. I said, hey, bro, come over here. Sit on the bench. You can't play. You, you got your own uniform on. You know why his daddy had him in so many things? Because his daddy said, I want to keep him busy so he don't go in the street and do things bad. Let me tell you something. That ain't the way you do it. You want me to tell you how to keep the heart of your child? They have to hear your voice above every other voice. When they... Start hearing other voices more than your voice, you're in trouble. And you start having them hear your voice over their peers and people of pressure when they're this tall. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you keep their heart that way. You've got a teenager that's not hearing your voice at all anymore. You're going to have to ride it on the backside of the mountain, so to speak, on the rough road. It gets tough. And for us to stand up and say, oh, don't worry about it. No, no, you need to get diligent about your devotion in that thing. And getting everybody busy does not necessarily pay the dividends that you desire. They don't need to be in football, baseball, basketball, soccer, ballet, violin, dance, piano, basket weaving at the local community center every Thursday night at 8.30. Keep it simple. You can manage simple. Very, very important here. Another thing is lack of solitude and meditation, folks. Now, God's been dealing with me on this. 
Matter of fact, it's almost like I've been challenged to find quietness. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you truly got quiet? I mean, so quiet that you can hear your heartbeat. It's so difficult to find solitude and quietness. Sometimes I'm up at two o'clock in the morning, you know what I mean? And I'm just sitting there. It is so loud outside. They got people running the streets, man, with loud mufflers. I mean, they booming music at 2.30 on a Tuesday morning. They, you must not work. <laughs> All kinds of things going on continually. See, media stimulation, they've done a study. You know, 50% of active drivers, when they stop at a traffic signal or a stop sign, take their phone out and check their phone. You know what's funny? Most of you got a demon in your pocket. It's called the iPhone. I, my iPhone. This is supposed to be a tool to help us do life better, but it has become a cruel taskmaster. And I'll prove it to you. You're in the kitchen and your phone is in the living room and you get a notification about Pinterest's latest recipe. And you will knock down your toddler, step on his head, stumble through, break your toe on the door frame just to get there to answer this thing that says, hey, a new way to make mac and cheese. And you do it, you know, how many of you done that? Come on, you do that. You know you do that. It's like, you got so many notifications on your phone. You know, you got a chick. That's a frog. A cricket. You know, a horse. And that's my email. That's my Voxer. That's my Pinterest. That's my Facebook. That's my this. I'm so important. I'm getting notifications. And you do that on your job because you got this demon right on your desk. And every time it goes, you lose concentration on what you're doing and you can't do anything but press the button. You're addicted that and you talk about the guy that drinks too much and you can't <laughs> and you do it and that's 20 minutes off your day of work we're too busy we're never quiet when was the last time you got quiet let me put it to you this way overstimulation of the mind breeds an undisciplined mind Watch this. Dilution of devotion results in diminishment of development or discipleship. We're too busy. We're too loud. And when we get quiet, people ask us what's wrong with us. That just shows you where we are, folks. Look, it happens to all of us. You okay? You all right? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be quiet for five minutes. I'm okay. I'm not sick or anything. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. And then they go, yeah, you just took my five minutes. There it is. I tried to be quiet. You wouldn't let me. And it happens to everybody. We need to shut up and be quiet. Let me tell you something right now. I'm going to find a quiet place. I don't know where. We watched a, an advertisement on TV this morning about a, a place way in Canada. In this, they said this forgotten place. Jan said, I think that's where you're wanting to go. <laughs> I said, maybe so. And let me close out this part for you about what I've entitled Substituted Devotion. 
because we do that with a lot of things. We do that with our children. If we're not careful, we want to substitute. We want somebody else to put devotion in them, a coach, a children's worker of some kind, maybe a school teacher, maybe a babysitter or even grandparents. It's like, you know, I don't have time to be devoted to my kids, so you be devoted for me. And that never works at all. We, we want people, you know, to, to in our marriages, hey, look, guys, you do this sometimes. If I can get my wife to get a couple of best friends, and if I can get her busy with her best friends, then I can go do what I really want to do. Because every time I want to do this, what I tell her, she gets angry, we got to fight. So get her busy, and then I'll sneak out and do what I really want to do. And girls, it's the same thing to you. Sure, go to the deer camp, baby. Absolutely. Thank God he's gone, man. I just... <laughs> I finally get to do what I, I want to do before I got married when I was single. Well, let me tell you something. Can I pass you for three seconds? If you get married, shut up and be married. And if you have kids, quit cursing those kids for them taking up all your time. You made them. Come on. Let's live. Let's serve. Let's serve other people. Let's get it done. All right. Come on now. A diluted life is, you know what it's like? It's like thin paint. It covers a lot of wall but it doesn't have any vibrant color to it. Very important. Now this brings me full circle back to Acts chapter two, verse 42, because this is what I call the infrastructure of devotion. You know, a city can operate without beautiful trees and flowers. It can operate without a lot of things, but it cannot operate without moving sewer, water, gas, and without roads. That's called the infrastructure. And that's why cities spend so much money. It's kind of boring, I know. You know, I mean, who, who ever thinks about moving sewer? You know what I mean? But I tell you what, let it stop up. <laughs> Nobody, we don't think much about turning the faucet on and we get, you know, get some water. But you know what? Turn the faucet on and no water comes out. And all of a sudden it's like garbage pickup. I wouldn't care if every theater closed down in America but please pick up my garbage twice a week in my big green garbage can. Okay? Now watch this. There's an infrastructure of devotion in our personal lives, and it's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to three things. The apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. We'll do that this Wednesday night. And in prayer. Three things I want to share with you that will bring the infrastructure of devotion to your life. Because you put a lot of time on the first things we just shared. You don't put anything here. Your foundation is weak. Your you're not moving the life-giving things in your life. The apostles' teaching. You know what that was? That was what Jesus had taught the apostles. Three and a half years, he taught them. And then he sent them out. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, make, make pupils, teaching them everything I've taught you. So that was the doctrine of the apostles. It actually was the doctrines of Christ. It was about Christ, who he was, how he responded, teaching them how to handle their enemies, teaching them how to pray, teaching them the doctrines of Christ. We could say it was the word of God. Today, we call it the word of God. And the word of God accomplishes many things in your life. One thing it does, the word of God holds the key to spiritual growth. It really does. You want to know how to grow. Here's how you grow. First Peter chapter two, verse two and three, like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Know that you, <laughs> you, know, you, you know what? You cry out for it 
now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And if you will desire the sincere milk of the word, if you will take it in by reading it and meditating on it, you will grow spiritually. But you will not grow spiritually only by listening to one or two sermons a month. You'll not grow because you'll forget most of what I'm saying by Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. That's why you better get a nugget, a, a nugget and put it in your pocket. You know what I'm talking about? So you'll grow. You'll, you'll grow in Christ. And then, you know what else the Word of God will do for you? It will help you in times of temptation. You will be able to resist temptation. Listen to me. You want to know how to win when you're tempted to sin. The Bible tells you that. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay pure? How can any person stay pure? By obeying your word. So simple. You want to know how to stay pure? Obey the word of God. Well, I'm trying to stop. Obey the word of God. He said, that didn't make any sense. I need five steps of psychology. No, obey the word of God. Be filled with the spirit of God and obey the word of God and you will resist temptation. That's not exciting, is it? It's true. Psalm 119, verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, your word keeps me where I need to be. If there is no word, if you're not taking in the word of God, in other words, if you're not a self-feeder, if, if you're not seeking God in the word, let me tell you what, I'm going to give you your best result. This is the best thing that you can hope for. The best thing you hope for is temporary behavioral modification. You will modify your behavior. I used to try to do that every morning. I'd get up, sit on the side of my bed and say, today, Van, you're going to be a better person. By noon, I wasn't a better person. And then what you'll do, you'll, you'll say, I can, I can, I can, I can. You'll climb up the ladder almost without me, and you'll slide right back down. And then you'll, you'll modify that behavior. A little, let me put a, a filter on my computer. Need to put a filter on your heart. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to talk to that secretary. Well, <laughs> put a filter on your heart. A door to your office will not stop you from lusting after your secretary. We need to get real, huh? I mean, we need to understand that the word of God penetrates our heart and changes the way we live and face problems and temptations. That's how Jesus, he answered the devil himself. Look, this is the big league. The devil himself stands before Jesus and tempts him. And Jesus answered him by quoting scripture. Our example, Christ. You know what else the Word of God will do in your life if you follow the teachings of the Word of God? It'll teach you how to become successful. Absolutely. Joshua, right before he took the people of God over the Jordan River after Moses died, God spoke to him in, in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, and he said, study this book of instruction. Study, study, we could say study the Bible. Continually. How long? Continually. Uh, meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey Everything written in it, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Book, meditate, obey, succeed. Yet we sometimes just don't do that. We're not going to obey. And then when we don't succeed, we wonder why. We get mad at people who do succeed. It's just, it's no different than when the teacher passes out the, the, the papers on Monday morning from the Friday test that you can't stand that little girl with the pigtails right across the 
tell from you because she's always making an A. But she studies a lot and she applies herself and you be the lazy one up in there and you wonder why you got a D minus and that was only because the, because the, the, the teacher was so tired that night that she put one line down instead of putting two lines, she just, she just fell asleep and made a D. You really made an F. Then the word of God teaches you how to know the will of God. Man, we want to know the will of God, the will of God, the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. How can I know the will of God? You know how you know the will of God? By the word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The renewing of your mind, the changing the way you think comes by the word of God. It washes over you. It washes your mind and it changes the way you think because most of us, we don't know how to think like God thinks. We side with ungodly people in their principles because we don't know what the godly principle is. We're going to grab onto a log floating in the river and if we don't know the logs of God, we're going to just grab any old log and we're going to float down any old river. So listen to me. You must know the word of God. You must read it. You must study it. And if you'll do that, you'll know it. And you'll know God better. You'll seek him by the power of the Holy Spirit and you'll know him. Because it's impossible to know the will of God in the natural human mind. You cannot know the will of God without your spirit being alive. And so there's this thing of the apostles' doctrines. And then he said, fellowship. Let's say Christian community, because that's what it was. They ate meals together. They gathered together. They were in the houses and in the temple daily studying the word of God, doing life together. You know what I mean? And so, you know, what does Christian community do for you? What, what, why do I need to be part of a Christian community? You know why? Because it breeds proper relationships. It breeds the proper relationship. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said this, bad company corrupts good character. So let's do a switch on that. Good company builds great character. You are and you become who you hang with. You're hanging with the boys, huh, dude? Go hang with the boys. You wonder why your marriage is not so good. It's like, I don't know what's going on. You're hanging with the wrong people. They're corrupting your mind. You don't need no white out wife. Just tell her. Just straighten her out. You say, oh, that's not going to affect me. Oh, look. I've never played in the mud and didn't, you know, you know, I got this thing. I got this bad thing. I got this bad habit. I do work in good clothes. I just, I, I'm sorry. I, I'll spray Clorox with good pants. You know what happens every time? You can't. I hide them in my closet. I hid, I hid a pair in my closet. Oh, I found it. She said, uh-huh. That's why you bought some new jeans. Yeah, baby. That's why I bought some new jeans. She was going to fuss at me. It brings mutual encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24, listen carefully to what God says. Let us think of ways to motivate, one translation says to provoke, motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people have stopped going to church together, meeting with people, as, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Encouragement, motivation, prov provocation to good works, challenges, and encouragement. You know, one guy said, I don't, I don't want to go to Northwood because uh, every time I go there, they challenge me to do something. Well, hello. 
That's what we're supposed to do. Real Christian community challenges us, motivates us, inspires us to be better for God. And that usually entails doing something. It really does. You see, encouragement is like being hydrated. You ever notice when you watch NFL football, when you watch the, 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 the pros, you never see that right guard on the bench guzzling 12 ounces of Gatorade. You ever notice they just go, they take that bottle and go, squish, they squirt a little bit in his mouth, like one or two ounces. Squish. You know why? Because they are fully hydrated already. They're just keeping hydrated. You know what we do? We're never getting encouragement. And then all of a sudden, trial comes, and we reach out and try to get, encourage me, encourage me, encourage me. And you got to sit there for days because it'd take 24 hours to be hydrated properly. And sometimes it takes a long time to get encouraged when you've been smacked down. But boy, if you're in Christian community and you're around people who are meeting with you and you're doing life together, you're in a small group, you got great friends, you know, people are hanging with you, you're being encouraged, being encouraged. When the enemy comes and bam, something happens, you're encouraged. Joshua was encouraged because he stood around Moses. Everywhere Moses went, Joshua was right there. When Moses was in the house of testimony, there, there was Joshua right there. When everybody left, who was standing in the doorway of the tent of meetings? It was Joshua, the last one to leave church every time. He was in Christian community. And so we must be in Christian community. You know what else it'll do? It'll bring wisdom and correction to your life. It really will. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says, is Friendships, they, we sharpen each other. You know, I don't think there's enough sparks in a lot of relationships nowadays. I think we're trying to keep everything so smooth and so wonderful. There ain't no sparks flying. Did you know in true relationships, sparks fly? Watch this. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. You know what? You're never going to get in trouble at 4 o'clock in the morning for driving drunk if you're sleeping in your bed. I never once got arrested while sleeping in my bed at four in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? Well, they doing this. Well, if you would have been in bed, bro, you wouldn't be in jail. You hang with foolish people, you're going to do foolish things. I know I did. Sometimes I was the foolish person that got other people. I got some of my brothers into a bunch of junk and then I got saved and I tried to get them out of the junk into Christ. And I'm still doing it 36 years later. So get yourself some wisdom and get yourself some correction. You know, I want to ask you this question. Is there anybody in your life in Christian community that can correct you? Is there anybody that can correct you? Besides your spouse, they correct, we correct each other all the time. But outside of that, is there anybody that can say, hey, bro, why are you doing that? That's not healthy for you. You need to come on off of that thing. Is there anybody like that? Or are you so isolated that you're your only influence? Uh-huh. It's always wise to have somebody say, let me help you. And don't turn them away. The last thing about this Christian community, it just builds safety and security. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and, and help them. You can get help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And they got a lot of alone people sitting in the chairs of church nowadays. You don't have a church friend, a Christian friend. I mean, somebody who really loves you, somebody who knows you and still 
loves you. They had a little housewarming at, uh, uh, for a family in the church yesterday uh, from in another uh, campus. And some people I know went and, you know, they went and, and this family, they just last Easter got saved, just gave their heart to Jesus. So they are a year into this thing. And he just shared with the people that came in his home. And he said this, he said, you know, all these are new friends. All but two of the people have brand new friends and they're church friends. And, and he said, you know, we, we, we couldn't stand Mississippi. We were waiting to get out. And then when, when Christ inter- intersected our life, we didn't bought ourselves a house here. We've got friends. We have church family. And when they told me that, I said, they're going to make it. They're going to make it with Jesus. You know why? Because they got the head, Christ, and they got the body, the church. Hey, they're going to be all right. You understand? And if you don't have that, I just want to encourage you to get that. Join a small group. Go right to the back of the room. There'll be somebody standing there to help you get in a small group. Come on now. We need to get together on this. And then last they met together for prayer. They were praying people. Now, there's all levels of prayer, and I don't have enough time to go into all that, but I want to tell you this. I want to help some of you, because most people don't know how to pray, and so they don't pray. So I'm going to give you step one of praying. I'm going to take all the pressure off of you. Just stand up and just say, let's say your name is Joe. And this is not being, you know, hey, God, here's, I'm Joe. Here I am. I don't know how to pray. I don't know where to begin, but I'm here. And so I'm, I'm going to read my Bible now, and I'll, could you help me? Okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to start right now. And you start reading your Bible. I want to just help you. God is not impressed with your perfect prayer. As a matter of fact, I can tell you some of the most imperfect prayers ever prayed was in the heat of battle when you don't know what to say or what to do and you just holler out to God and say, ah! Do you understand? I'm saying that to help a lot of people come up. Now, some of you are seasoned people of God with great, deep prayer lives and intercession. Please keep praying. Pray for me, okay? Keep praying. Keep moving that. But so, so many people nowadays feel like they can't attain any kind of level of prayer with God, and so they don't communicate with God. They don't talk. They don't listen. They don't meditate on what they're saying because you don't feel something. And it's an injustice to just tell people, man, you got to feel it in your spirit and your, you know, all this stuff, and people don't understand that. Even people that are saved, they don't understand it. And so, you know, they just get on the sideline and say, well, I guess praying is for somebody else. I'll just fight this battle all by myself. But praying shows that you are reliant upon God and you don't have to impress him. Talk in normal language. God, I've been overcome by this sin for the last 12 years and I don't know what to do, but this is, I know you don't like it. I know this is against you. I know Jesus died for this and so I need help, God. And I, I tell you what I'm gonna, your word says that I'm to repent, I'm repenting. And you just start talking to God like that and you'll see it. That thing will start to build into other things and next thing you know, you'll start praying for other people and it'll just start to expand and expand and you'll be living in prayer and you'll be working in humility. Let me close with these verses of scripture because Jesus taught this in Luke chapter 18 about prayer. One day, this is what he told his disciples. He told them a story to show them that they should always pray and, and never give up. We should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. 
A widow of that city, a widow, lowest of low, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. But this woman right here is driving me crazy. I mean, this is what she said. You can just about imagine. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. She won't shut up. She just, every time I turn around, there she is. Give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. And then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people, the, the called out ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But the son of man, when he returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So the, he's just telling a story. He said, what, he's, what is he saying here? He's saying, keep praying and don't give up. Keep pressing in and don't give up. Keep, keep asking. Keep asking. Don't stop asking. Keep seeking. Don't stop seeking. Keep knocking and the door will be open. Keep doing it. Keep it up. Bother God. It's okay to bother God. You are relying upon him. He is your source. He is the one who will move mountains for you. He is the one who is looking for you to dethrone self and to enthrone him and to trust him and be relying upon him and pray. And by the way, sometimes the answer to you, always get an answer to your prayer. Sometimes the answer to your prayer is no. Why is it that we think that every prayer should be a yes? Why is it that every thought that we have, or every petition that we bring to God, we think it's in perfect will of, the, of him for us and we pray it and then we don't get it answered and we say, God didn't hear me. Look, God doesn't hear people pray because sin separates them from God. The scripture says that, that God will not hear you pray. Your sin has separated from your God and he will not hear you. But I'm telling you what, that God... All right, you got a sin problem. Get the sin out of the way. Now I'm speaking to the Lord and he is going to answer me. But sometimes it's no. We try to manipulate God. We think if we get good and we, we, we act good for a week, then we'll come in and ask him for something. We're, we're just like little kids in their bedroom wanting to go to Chuck E. Cheese. We're going to be good all day. I'm going to do everything. I'm pick up my clothes. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. But smile a lot. And at the end of the day, we're going to come in and say, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? And dad says, nope. And we... Pitch a fit. We don't understand why. Has God ever said no to you? Or do you pray everything perfect and get everything you want, even if you don't need it? Even if your motives are incorrect? Even because your heart has deceived you because it's deceitful and it's wicked? That's why he had to give you a new heart. And even sometimes that new heart gets mixed up with this head. And I'm asking in the wrong way with the wrong motives. And God says, not today. Let me tell you something. We got to keep asking. We got to keep on seeking. And we're going to keep on knocking. I've got people I know and love that I've been praying for for 36 years. And look, sometimes we pray 15 years and we just got tired of praying. We just quit praying. We didn't know what else to do. And then all of a sudden something revs that thing back up. We start praying and pressing in again. You understand? And we just ask him for movement. God, would you just move in this situation? Move on these people's hearts. Change their lives. 
or we're going to stay fully devoted. I don't know about you, but in this church, we're going to stay fully devoted to the Word of God. We're going to stay fully devoted to Christian community fellowship. And we're going to stay fully committed to prayer. Let's bow our heads together. Just a moment. Come on, let's just get still before God. Let's try to get quiet. Just quiet before God. If you're a believer in this room right now and you're just quiet before God, I want you to look at your devotion life. Just look at those three areas. Look, just look at the teaching, the Word of God, how you handle it, what, what's, what's up. And just, just think about your church life, your fellowship with believers, who you're hanging with. And then think about prayer. Come on, let the Lord just speak to you. Just, just pull it back. You know, man, if, there's, if, if it's been diluted, hey, recognize that. And then go before the Lord right now and just say, Lord, I want to get this right. I've just been out of order in this area, that area. I haven't put you for, I've been on the throne, whatever it might be. If you know God, that's what, this is where you begin. Father, I just pray for your church, God. Father, our devotion would be deep, concentrated. The Lord, we'd understand the significance of serving you and of eternity. Lord, I pray that you'll just God, challenge us, examine us, empower us, Lord, by your grace. Now, if you're in this room and you're disconnected from God because sin separates us from God and all have sinned and are separated from God and only those who choose Jesus are reconciled back with him. If you're in this room right now, you're in the house of God. You've listened to the word of God. And I'm the man of God in this place right now. And I have a responsibility to give you an opportunity to meet the only one who is able to save your soul. His name is Jesus. He is real. He is alive. And he is present right now in this room. So if you're separated from God, if you're not assured that you've been reconciled, if you're just all mixed up, but today you say, I want to dedicate my life. I want to devote my life to Jesus. Even before I know what all that means, I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you have my best in mind. I want to pray for you right where you are. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed and we're seeking God, I'm going to ask you if that's you. If you want to pray, if you say, I want to pray. By the way, this prayer will be answered by God with a yes and an amen. If you'll just shoot your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus. Thank you so much for your hand. Thank you. Come on, shoot it up. That's right. Here, 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 here. Come on. That's right. Back there. Absolutely. Okay, back there. That's right. You've just been sitting there. Man, your heart is burning inside of you. Thank you. Yes. God is good. And God is getting ready to save you. If your heart is open, if you are sincere in what you're getting ready to pray, you need to get ready for an answered prayer. Has nothing to do with feelings. You might feel something. But it has everything to do with faith as you express your need for God to forgive you of your sins and to save your soul. So right here, right now, I want to help you. I'm going to just, I'm going to say some words. I want you to just repeat after me. I'm going to help you like somebody helped me 36 years ago. Just say these words. Say, Father in heaven, I am separated from you. I am a separated sinner. 
I acknowledge my need for Jesus. And so, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life and change me. I dedicate myself fully to you. And I thank you right now for receiving me, for forgiving me, and for changing me. In your name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, I want to thank the Lord. Come on. Come on. Thank him like you mean it. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.